Hey, this is Nick here, senior writer over at Sports Pack 12. And this is going to be our mailbag question segment. So send in your written questions wherever the frick you are in the conference, baby. Send them in. Send them in. And I'll respond via podcast form. And fellow senior writer Dane Miller will respond via written column. So seriously, send them in. I have a lot of fun doing this research, giving back the knowledge, the love, learning your concerns, all that, baby. We got the love, the knowledge. I'm going to give back to the people. Got to do it for yourself first. That's my ethics lessons, but then I'm here for you, the people. So from down south to Arizona, to east out to Utah, to east, to the west out to the Palouse of Washington State, we got the Cali schools, we got the Oregon schools, we got Buffs Nation. If I forgot you, I'm sorry. In all seriousness, in its in our entirety, we make up the Conference of Champions, the Pac-12, and we're better for it. So without further ado, send in your questions. Let's come together and la 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 la. Let's get to it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and squirrels and reindeer. Today's question is from Lindsay in El Paso, Texas, and it reads, which two teams will play in the championship game of the Pac-12 basketball tourney next season? And then, along with the question, we have a little commentary, and the commentary reads, assuming some new stupid virus doesn't wipe it out. So the actual question from Lindsay here is, which two teams will play in the championship game of the Pac-12 basketball tourney next season? And so before I answer that, I would like to start with some commentary on your commentary. So not trying to make light of a very interesting time in human history. So first and foremost, obviously it's a tough time for a lot of people. The death tolls keep rising. The news and media is probably pumping out a lot of fear and then just uncertainty in regards to economic stability, loss of jobs and a wide variety of things. So I can understand how this virus would really be troubling for a lot of people. This pandemic is new to all of us and we are ultimately all in it together. So that's something I really do want to point out. We're all in this together. So you're not alone, Lindsay. And I really do mean that. I like to joke around a lot have a lot of fun with the podcast, but seriously, you know, we're all here together. I'm not going to say it again, but I really do mean that from the bottom of my heart. I completely respect your comment and do understand where you're coming from, but for me and for telling me personally cope, I try and look at the positive aspect of things. So first and foremost, for me individually, I can't speak for everyone. This has been a time for me to get to know myself better. I've uh, helped grow, I feel like, through meditation. For some people that may be drinking a beer, I'm not trying to tell you to go all hippie and meditate. That's just, for me, personally, a very solid coping mechanism. And so that's just one thing. Get to know yourself better. This could be a tool for a lot of people. Obviously, I'm not going to force anyone to do anything, but this could be an opportunity for self-growth and self-improvement. Another kind of positive aspect about the coronavirus pandemic is environments improving throughout the world. I'm not sure what this means in terms of the longevity of planet Earth, But I mean, if you just look at the skies in major cities throughout the world, it just looks a lot better. And for me, that's really cool to see. I mean, obviously that may not feel important when people are struggling to put food on the table, but it is just something kind of lighthearted to look at, that the environment is improving. And it's just cool to see. I mean, if it means nothing else, the pictures are fun to look at. And then third and foremost, third and fourth, fifth most, whatever I'm trying to say there, trying to be all serious here. I think most important is people are spending more time outdoors with their family. Yeah, I understand their social distancing, but I go for a daily walk by myself while I do want to add that. And when I see families out, it's just awesome. They're all riding bikes or rollerblading or just at a park together. And it's just beautiful to see. Like, I don't know if the families would be getting the same level of interaction instead of just staring at a TV or iPad if none of this had happened. So there are some positives. Granted, this doesn't take away from the death toll and all the loss of jobs. And I'm not trying to make light any of that. I understand people are seriously going through some tough times. So again, I'm not trying to make light hearted of that, but there are some positive aspects to look at. But again, Lindsay, I respect your comment. That's just my two cents. And now I'll get to the actual question. So in terms of which two teams will play in the Pac-12 championship game next year, 
I'm going to basically look at the top six teams in conference the previous season, and I'm going to narrow it down to two. And for me, there are really only two options. There could be a third from the outside, but I'll get there. So I'm going to start first and foremost, I'm going to start with the teams that aren't in the conference tournament and uh, or aren't going to make the final of the conference tournament. And I'm going to look at UCLA first. They finished second in conference last year. And the reason I'm going to knock them down, I actually did a previous podcast asking me who's going to win the Pac-12. And so I actually picked UCLA or Oregon as my top one and two teams. And I'm going to eliminate UCLA from that list because five-star recruit Dyshawn Nix decided to go to the G League. He was a 6'5 point guard. And I felt like he was the missing place to take UCLA maybe back to the Final Four. Seriously, he was that good of a player, or at least that good of a prospect. So losing him really hurts him. I mean, just the loss of him alone drops the recruiting class down to 11th in the nation, or excuse me, 11th in the Pac-12 and 107th nationally. And we still are kind of waiting to see if Chris Smith is going to return. I believe he will. Still a lot of talent at UCLA, but I just don't believe not quite enough to make the Pac-12 tournament. Again, Chris Smith is a phenomenal player. Should have some other good pieces around him and Tiger Campbell and Jamie Akez Jr., but just for me, not quite enough. I think that last year, the conference wasn't as its kind of top-heavy power elite teams weren't there necessarily, and UCLA capitalized. Nothing wrong with that, but this year, I think there's going to be some teams that are very, very top-heavy in terms of the top head of the conference. The next team I'll look at here is ASU, and that's going to be really just kind of an interesting scenario because there's still a lot up in the air. They finished third in the conference last year. They add four-star recruit Marcus Bagley, but likely losing Remy Martin to the draft. If he returns, it could be a different picture. But the one thing that's going to determine ASU and how far I think they're going to go next year is they're still waiting on five-star recruit Joshua Christopher and his decision. I believe that he is committed but not officially signed. I always get those two kind of confused, but yeah, I believe he's committed but not officially signed. So not officially on ASU's roster. However you want to phrase that, he's not officially a Sun Devil yet. So I can't put them in the Pac-12 turning game next year. Finishing fourth in the conference last season to be USC, and they lost Onyeka Kongwu, Nick Rokisevich, and Jonah Matthews. So that's just going to be too much to overcome for me. But one thing is very notable about them is they do have the two Mobley bros this year in Isaiah and Evan. Isaiah Mobley was a five-star recruit last season, and Evan Mobley's an incoming five-star recruit this year. So those two brothers could really be a formidable duo. You always have that nice connection with family members playing the same team. Maybe a little bit extra and maybe enough to take them there. I don't see it. I just think losing the very dangerous front court duo of Nyeka and Kongwu and Rakisevich, I just think that's too much to overcome that USC won't be able to make the Pac-12 championship game next year. And finally, the last team I'm going to eliminate here, finishing fifth in the conference, was Arizona. They have the best class in the the Pac-12 in terms of recruiting, eighth nationally, but I think it's way too much to overcome in terms of losing Zeke Naji, Nico Mannion, Josh Green. You're losing a post player, a point guard, and a wing player. That's just... No matter how good your recruiting class is, going to be very difficult to get back to that elite tier. And they weren't elite this year, to be quite frank. They're very good, but not elite. Just an NCAA tournament team. So who does that leave us with, Nick? You've taken out Arizona, you've taken out USC, taken out ASU, and taken out UCLA. That leaves us with the Colorado Buffs in Oregon. And so first, I'm going to start with the Buffs. They just underperformed vastly last year. And I think that's really going to benefit them this season. I think the Tyler Bain, McKinley Wright, two-headed monster duo, I think those two are coming back for sure. I don't think either of them are good enough to play in the NBA. When looking at their NBA draft stocks, McKinley Wright, basically a late second round, undrafted type player. Tyler Bay, I think he's kind of a tweener. He'd be an early second round pick according to some NFL or NBA draft sites. But again, just I don't think he's good enough yet. Again, he's just a tweener. Not enough quickness to guard perimeter players and not really... 
has just doesn't have enough of a scoring touch down low quite yet. So he's really, I think he's coming back. So we're not here to talk about the NBA draft stock. They will be back. I'm saying Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright for their senior years. And that's just going to be such a dangerous duo, especially considering, again, I know I just said this, but they finished last year in a five-game losing streak, including an embarrassing loss to Washington State and NCAA in the Pac-12 tournament. And that was just left a bad taste in their mouth. Head coach Tad Boyle and the duo really need to prove themselves this season, and I think they're going to come back with vengeance, and a lot of vengeance. They're supposed to win, or predicted to win the conference last year. This year, I think they're going to do. I think they're going to be nasty. Maybe not win the conference, don't quote me on that, but they're going to be in that top one or two spots for sure. Helping out Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright, and those two I really want to keep drilling in the names of those two. Point guard McKinley Wright and forward Tyler Bay. That combination is the reason the Buffs are going to be dominant next year. Assuming both of them return, very, very, very dominant. But again, it takes more than two players to win. And they have Evan Batty filling out the role. He's kind of that energy guy, that big body, defensive lineman looking dude. He's really just great. He's just got that it factor. You can tell that people like being around him. People like swarming to him. And he's going to provide a lot of fun on the court. He's actually pretty good. He's got solid touch. He uses that big body to finish down low and push people out of the way. On top of that, out on the wing, you have Deshaun Shorts. Who's six, he's a 6'6 six, six shooter. He might be 6'7, six, 6'8 six, even, but we'll roll a 6'6. Six, six, and having those four players really is going to help the team. And that's just a solid rotation. You can fill out really pretty much anything else around them. I mean, you got a point guard, a forward, a shooter, and a hustle player. You should be all right. So I think those four take Colorado to very high levels next year. I'd say NCAA tournament run. But before we get ahead of ourselves here, I think they're making the Pac 12 tournament championship game. So first pick is going to be the Buffs. And who are they playing then? Who are they going to be playing against? My pick against who they're going to be playing against is the Oregon Ducks. And from top to bottom, I think their team is most complete, hands down. They return guards Will Richardson and Chris Duarte. On top of that, they have very solid perimeter scores in C.J. Walker and Addison Patterson. That's a fun name to say, Addison Patterson. Get my rap career going. They have uh, some solid post players in Chandler Larson and Nafali Dante. I think Nafali Dante in particular, in particular can be very tough. And then on top of that, they have some... Incoming transfers, or not incoming transfers, but people who were previous transfers and forced to redshirt last year in Eugene Omari, Luke War, and Eric Williams. Don't quote me on Luke War, but Eric Williams and Eugene Omari were transfers the previous season in redshirt. So, I mean, I just literally named six, seven, eight players. That should tell you how deep they're going. I didn't even include hustle player Francis Okoro. So, really, they're, they're deep, man. They are very deep. And on the opposite side of Colorado, who really struggled last year, Oregon is probably consistently the best team in conference from point A to point B. So from the beginning of the season to the end of the year. And I think they probably feel, I mean, most teams throughout the country probably feel this way, but they probably feel a little bit gypped because it's Peyton Pritchard's senior year and they could have gone far under him, maybe even another final four run. So I think they learned how to play solid under him. with Nice team basketball with a leader like that. And I think this group will just continue on, on kind of the legacy that Pritchard left off and maybe even make a run to the final four in his honor and his name. This group has so much talent. Dana Altman's a good coach. And it's really hard to bet against Oregon. This year, they may not have that one standout player. and But they may, I mean, they may have one or two guys really step up. I'd have to go with Will Richardson. I kind of like his game. I think he could really be a consistent scorer. But again, just not that one elite player like a McKinley Wright at Tyler Bay. But when you're going seven or eight deep at the Pac-12 college level, you got a real chance. And all these guys are very good. When I say they don't have an elite playmaker, they may not, but they have eight guys who are very, very good in the basketball. This could be a dangerous team. So again, my pick is going to be Oregon, the Ducks versus the Colorado, and the Buffs, baby. So those are going to be my two playing next year. Great question, Lindsey. 
and I appreciate it. Seriously, keep your head up during these hard times, and I appreciate the question. And oh yeah, why are you asking a question from Texas? Were you originally from Pac-12 territory? I'm always like interested when I get a question from a state that you wouldn't really expect their focus to be Pac-12 sports. So again, thanks, Lindsay. Have a great day. Keep your head up during these interesting times. Adios.